I think it would be wise. Let's just pray for them. Father, we know that uh, Richard is resigning today. And uh, for many, it'll be a shock. And I've done that. You, you try so hard to find perfect words, and then you realize the perfect words just aren't, aren't there. You just do your best to love them, thank them for the years that you've served at Racine, pray for their future. And Father, it'll be a different service in Wisconsin today. And we pray for your presence. We pray that you give Rich the right, right discernment and words. He knows those people, they're his people. That you would give wisdom as he lets them know that he's being called somewhere else. And we pray for the transition to continue wisely. And we just go forward with excitement. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. You got your guy. And he just barely made his vote. 100%. I mean, come on. You know, that's incredible. There's no price tag on unity. You just, you can't, you can't pay for unity. You either have it or you don't. And you have made a statement that real life community speaks in one voice. And uh, it's, that's incredible. I congratulate you. We look forward to the next future. I'm excited for your future. But I thought before we go anywhere, let, let, let's catch up. Jane, you just took six weeks off. Yeah, a little vacation. Uh, I took a turn at COVID. And uh, different people get it different ways. Some people, not too much. Then there's me. Uh, I, I got waylaid. Uh, <coughs> we'll talk about my cough in a second. I... Uh, I maintained a fever of about 102 for two weeks. He said, why don't you go to the hospital? I grew up with my doctor. We're old friends, part of VNC, Vaponaz. And the head nurse at, 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 at ER at Porter, or whatever they're calling it now, is uh, my next door neighbor and also goes to our church at, at Valpo. So they've been monitoring me pretty close. And since I, I'm not diabetic, I have no other, other stuff, they kept saying, we want to give Gene the chance to beat it at home if he can. And so they, they were basically checking in pretty much every day. But I, I, it, it's, it's, it was terrible. I've never been that sick. You, you can't breathe. Uh, and when you do breathe, you cough. It, it attacks your lungs. Uh, they said a day. After two weeks, they said, okay, on Thursday, if he's still 102, take him. Take him to ER. Thursday, I broke the fever down to 100. And they said, okay, he's going in the right direction. Let's give him the chance to beat this thing at home, which I, I finally did. Uh, once I, I was well enough, I, I, I would go get tested. And our doctor said, you're, even though it's behind you, you're, gonna get, you're, you're probably going to test positive for a while. And sure enough, I went twice a week and got my results positive, positive, positive. He said, there's a residue in you. Uh, and I did test negative, And that's what we were waiting for. I wouldn't, I wouldn't come, obviously, if I was testing positive. I did finally test negative. But there's a little bit of an issue still. Fatigue a bit, but I, uh, <coughs> that's the issue. Uh, our doctor said, severe cases, it takes months for your lungs to rejuvenate or whatever. And he said, your deep breaths are going to be difficult. You have to learn how to talk a little just to preach. And so uh, when I cough, don't worry about it. I'm not, I'm not spreading germs. I'm negative, and I'll try to catch it. But... Uh, 
my lungs were still okay. Next week you're going to say, he's so much better because last week I was worse. I'm going in the right direction quickly. But he said, it'll take a couple of months for your lungs to, to kind of catch up because uh, the damage that's done through COVID. And you're saying, Gene, we know you. You don't want pity. That's not true. <laughs> so every time I cough, if you could just, so, just think, give me that look. Bless his heart. So I'll be looking for that. Don't let me down. Because I'm not above pity, just so you know. So, uh, but we're back for a little while longer. Then we got our guy, your guy. And I'm so excited for you. So that's kind of catching up. That, that's, that's where I've been. Andrew, you've had, is a great uh, communicator, great teacher, and a wonderful friend. He, uh, when they moved here, they started going to Valpo Naz. And uh, Pastor Sean, the lead pastor, found out he was the elder and so Sean and I took him, to, took him to lunch. I've had the privilege to, to teach in South Africa twice. And catching up with him, his friends are my friends, so I got to catch up and hear about my friends in South Africa, so I really enjoy his friendship. And I'm sure you've enjoyed him. But uh, sorry, Uncle Gene's back. Uh, let's get in the Word. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. During Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel. That's kind of the key today. God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph, the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came and said, Greetings, the Lord has blessed you. He is with you. Mary was startled by what the angel had said. I guess she was, huh? And wondered, what could this greeting mean? The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you his grace. Listen, you become pregnant. Give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Christmas time. One of the traditions in our home, we always watch It's a Wonderful Life. I know the ending. I've, I've seen it over and over and over. But I, I'm, I'm such a mulch. I mean, every time the, the bell rings and, and the angel got his wings, way to go, Clarence. I'm crying. I don't want to wreck the movie, but Clarence is an angel that comes. He's a talking angel, and he comes to George Bailey, changes George's entire life. Angels speaking to us, changing our future. Come on. Really? I know one. Gabriel, the archangel, came to Mary, changed her future, spoke to her. We know a lot about angels. For instance, we know angels think. They're messengers of God, but they think. They reason. One of the saddest verses is, is about angels reasoning. Because they understand the Creator, because they've observed us, angels can't seem to figure out why we disobey God. The Word says they marvel at us when we disobey God. Well, that's reasoning. A third of the angels fell with Satan. That's reasoning. That's decision-making. Bad decision-making. But we understand angels have the ability to think, to reason, to make decisions. So I, I, I kind of wondered, Gabriel, the archangel, this messenger, was he surprised at this particular message, God will become a man? I mean, did, that, did that shock him? And did he have a few questions? He, he, he's not one to question a God-given mission. I mean, sending fire, dividing the seas. That's all part of an eternity's work for an angel. Where God sent, Gabriel went, period. I mean, part of the Lord's prayer. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Immediately. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. I mean immediately. Where God sent, Gabriel went. Period. But here Gabriel's told God himself would become a man. I mean, Gabriel's thinking, wow. Did this blow him away? This is big. The biggest thing Gabriel had ever heard or even imagined. I mean, Gabriel must have been enthused. After all, angels have emotions. They're amazed when we turn our back on God. They're amazed. They have emotions. That's reasoning. They have a wisdom. What could he have envisioned? He just finds out God will become a man. Does his imagination take off? The Messiah will come down in a blazing chariot. I'm here to join the humans on earth. Or would the king descend in a fiery cloud, an explosion of light and lasers, and the Messiah would emerge? Or maybe something even bigger, even more powerful, even more cool. God alone, but it had, we knew, but it had to be massive. The greatest moment on earth. The greatest moment of all creation. God is coming to be a man. Got to be huge. Could he have had that thought? It wouldn't make sense. Instead, he's given a simple slip of paper with an address in Nazareth. And it says, God will become a baby. Tell Mary, don't be afraid. Name him Jesus. Did that surprise Gabriel? He's a thinker. He's not going to question But come on, a bit simple. God will become a baby? Gabriel had seen babies before. He led the platoon in the Moses bull rush operation. He knew what baby Moses looked like. He knew babies, not bad for humans, but God? All of heaven can't contain him. How would a body, let alone a baby's body? Gabriel had seen babies. Babies wet their diapers. They gotta be carried. They gotta be fed. They gotta be bounced. They gotta be bathed. And there's naps. Then burped over the shoulder and they're wet again. What about terrible twos? King of king and lord of lords, terrible twos. Could all this be more than Gabriel could imagine? And by the way, the name, Jesus. It's beautiful, but kind of common back then. Why why not Jesus Esquire? Baby eminence, baby majesty, or at least heaven sense. But Jesus, kind of common. Bring back the good old days. Solomon Gomorrah, oh, that was something. Flood the earth, that was something. Flaming swords. Or, or split the sea while the Israelites escape. Then bring the sea down on the Egyptian army. Hold back the night. Send fire to consume an offering for Elijah. That's action. Let him know who's on the throne. But Gabriel had orders. A simple message to Mary pronto. And what's on his mind when he's on his way to Nazareth at the speed of shock? At, at the speed of thought. He's in for another shock. One peek at Mary, and she's no queen. The mother of God in the flesh isn't regal. She's a Jewish peasant. She's a kid. She's still got acne. And she's got a crush on a carpenter. Another commoner. 
And the girl's got the most common name, Mary. It's beautiful, but a lot of girls are named Mary. And the guy's got a common name, Joe. Nothing wrong with those names. They're lovely names. They're so lovely, they're popular. They're common with common people. And the whole issue of Joe, who is he? A king? Nobility? Pharaoh? President? Dictator? He's a carpenter. Nothing wrong with being a carpenter. Great skill. You realize you're never going to build anything without carpenters. They're vital. But the earthly father of the king of kings ought to be a king. He's not even the head of the Nazareth local union. Look at the guy. Sawdust in his beard. Nail apron around his waist. You're telling me the king of kings is going to have dinner with him every night? God, the source of all wisdom, mighty counselor, (laughs) prince of peace, king of kings, lord of lords, the one that every knee will bow and confess Jesus is Lord is going to call this guy dad? Joe the carpenter. Hey, what if he gets laid off? Downsized. What if he gets hurt? Does he have workman's comp? Then where would they be? Such a message. Father God, the whole thing seems peculiar. I know. I really don't think Gabriel had those kind of thoughts. But frankly, we should. Or has this thing become so familiar? Do we know the story so well? Has it kind of lost its power a little bit? Are we still stunned by this? Are we still staggered by the event of God coming in the flesh? The simplicity? Does it blow us away? Or frankly, have you heard it so much that it's kind of the same old story? Does the splendor of it shock us still? Is speechless wonder? Or maybe... Has the, has the pace of the holidays almost overshadowed the event? Sometimes I feel when I get to December 25th, I've crossed the finish line. All the gifts are wrapped, they're ready to go, dinner's ready. We made it again. We survived the season. Maybe it's time to ask Gabriel's questions. The tragedy isn't that we can't answer them. The tragedy is we don't think to ask them. Only heaven knows if Gabriel flooded atop of Mary before he broke the news. But he did his job. He did exactly what God told him. He told her the plan, gave her the name, said, don't be afraid. And then he said, with God, everything's possible. Even though Gabriel couldn't answer my fictitious questions, God could. But asking them is not a bad place to start. Simple birth, yeah. But, you know, I think it wasn't so simple. On earth, it was simple. In the invisible world of the angels, I think the hallelujahs were deafening. A star comes to life, illuminating all heavens. A simple birth in a manger, but unbelievably spectacular in all of the heavens. How many angels are there? Guests. 100 billion, trillion, uncountable, all of them celebrating. The celebration in the invisible world must have been deafening. 
I wonder how the angels sang and danced and celebrated. The Messiah had come for mankind. In the turn of the century, 1900s, a great Anglican pastor tells about a wonderful con- conversion. It was about a poor alcoholic who passed out pretty much every night. He would wake in the next morning and discover where he passed out last night. He may wake up at a park bench. He may wake up in a gutter. He may wake up on a lawn. But every night he would pass out, and next morning he'd find out where he passed out. This morning he woke feeling something near him that he was leaning against that was warm and soft. Then he got a little afraid because it's big. The longer he laid next to this big thing that was warm, conscious became and he realized how big it was. Where did he fall asleep last night? And then he began to laugh. He was in a barn covered with hay, snuggled up to the backside of a cow. And the bells began to ring in the old church. And it dawned on him, it's Christmas morning. He looked around the animals and says, hey, everybody, it's Christmas. The animals didn't seem to care. He patted his cow companion and said, hey, good morning, Christmas doy. He looked around the barn, smelled the smells, and he realized, I have woken in a manger on Christmas morning, just like Jesus. Incredibly simple. He he must have a great love for me. His thought went to Jesus, born in a barn, just like the one he was in right now, coming into consciousness. And he said, Jesus, if you love me this much, if you love me this much, to be born in the simplicity of this barn and then die for me, would you do something for me? Would you forgive my past and shape my future? Then the Anglican pastor said, that was me. Jesus came in such simple splendor. The simplicity of it ought to blow our mind and not be familiar anymore. Why? At some point, don't we get to ask, why? Love. There's a great song, Nails Could Not Hold You on the Cross. There's a line that says, what held you on the cross? It could only be your great love for me that held you on the cross. Love brought Jesus to a simple manger just for you. Love brought Jesus to a manger just for you. Simple, shocking, powerful for me and you. But go back to my fictitious Gabriel questions. The bottom line to all those questions kind of is, what are you doing, God? They're itched in our heart. I've asked them. Haven't you at some point? Are you, are you there? What about the events in your life right now? The question in your heart might not be, why did you come so simply? But maybe for you now, the question is, what are you doing in my life now? And I think when we ask that question without realizing it, we're kind of thinking, do you really care? Do you know me? Do you really care about what I'm dealing with in my own life right now? Do you see my hurt? Do you see where I am? Do you really care? And the answer is the simplicity of this morning. Anyone who would leave the splendor of heaven 
and come in the simplicity of a manger, cares. Cares. Loves you. Anyone who would sacrifice themselves on a cross for you cares today. God, I, I wish there were times when you didn't seem so far away, but that doesn't change a fact. You love me. You care about me. You came in simplicity to a loving Christ in a manger who would go to the cross for me. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the simplicity of the story. And yet, have we grown familiar? Does it affect us? Does it thrill us? Or is there a pace to this season? We almost come to church and roll the decks in our mind what we need to take care of before this week is out. Because it's a busy time. Your birth celebration has evolved into a chaotic time. Help us to just pull back now and say it was this simple, simple manger that my Savior came. You left the throne of heaven not to jump on a throne of earth but to be born in a stable. The simplicity and power of that moment. And we gather together today to remember and praise as we begin this sacred season of Advent together. We thank you for your presence as we look at your word today. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship together. <laughs>